read from verse 1 to 19 I will want you to analyze something very important in verse 12 then we shall read Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 and then I will share the word of God with you the way he has revealed it to me for today Second Chronicles chapter number 20 verse 1 it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them all that beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side, Syria and beyond. And behold, they be in, Haza, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O Lord God of our father, and not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? And not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwell therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment of pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house and crown to thee in our affliction. Then thou will hear and help. Everybody say, hear and help. Yeah. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Monshan, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us. To come to out out of that great company that cometh against neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee, and all Judas before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mathaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. And ye shall find them at the end of the brook. Before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Sit yourself. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord. With you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord will be with you. And Jehovah bowed his head with his, with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohites and of the children of the Kohites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Proverbs 3. 
I would like to read verse 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. By the grace of God this morning for a few minutes, I will be speaking on the subject, When This Happens. When this happens, shall we pray? Precious Father, we give you the honor and praise and glory and might and dominion for every and all things. And we appreciate you for your loving kindnesses and your tender mercies. Your eyes are over us and your ears are inclined to our prayers. That is why the device of the wicked have not succeeded against us. In you is our trust. Help us. Thank you because you are a present help in the time of need. And you are a shelter from the storm of life. For the sun shall not smite us by day nor the moon by night. And we thank you for the assurance that whatsoever we do shall prosper as your own. We ask you to take the glory and anoint me to speak. And anoint the people to hear. And be glorified and magnified for all and every and all things that will be wrought among us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When this happens, a very great challenge, which I believe we all face, without exception, is that of making a decision in every situation and every circumstance as to what we should do no matter what your stage in life is no matter what your position no matter what your circumstance is i believe that a common challenge which every one of us face is that of making a decision as to what we should do in our circumstance as to what we should do with something or somebody we all usually face that challenge to make a decision as to what to do. All of us here this morning, without exception, have a challenge as to what to do. In our circumstances, we have a challenge as to what to do with certain things that have been happening to us or around us. And we also have a challenge as to what to do with reference to someone with our lives. Probably you have a challenge as to what to do with your father you have a challenge as to know what to do with your mother you have a challenge as to what to do with your brother a sister a roommate a friend a colleague a superior in your place of work or an employee under you i believe that that is a very common challenge that every one of us without exception face the challenge as to what to do the decision as to what to do it's not as easy as it looks most of the time for some people who are not very careful with their lives they believe that the decision as to what to do is a simple thing in other words whenever they are faced with the challenge as to what to do you just see that simply they just do exactly what they have been doing before some 
people who are not careful enough, you discover that whenever they face the challenge as to what they should do, they just do exactly what others do. Some people who are not very careful as to what to do, whenever they are faced with the challenge as to what to do, at times they just do whatever is possible in their circumstance. But I want you to know that as believers, we need to know this. That the decision and the choice as to what to do in every situation, in every circumstance, with everything, is a decision that should be carefully arrived at. I've said this to say this to you. In my years of studying the Bible, I discovered that the challenge as to what to do is such a serious matter that in many places in the Bible you will find it where some people did not even know what to do. You see at times many of us do what we have always done. We do what others are doing. We just do whatever we can do in our circumstance. But the challenge as to what to do is not that easy if you are going to be very careful with your life. If you are going to do that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord, the challenge as to what to do in every situation is not very easy to come by. I told you that in the word of God, several people did not just know what to do. They didn't even know what to do in their circumstances. They didn't know what to do with some things that happened to them. And they even did not know what to do with other people. I'm going to give you quite a number of uh, examples in the Bible of people who did not know what to do. Because many times we are so quick in making decisions and choices. And that is why we have committed expensive blunders and painful mistakes. Because we think, well, is it not just to do something? I'll do something. And then you do something. So to speak, what you do immediately may not show to be a wrong thing you have done. But when it is tested over time, and when it stands up in the courts of heaven, it may not be able to stand. The challenge as to what to do is a serious challenge. And I particularly believe that if you are going to trade your life at a profit, and you are going to be acceptable and pleasing to God, you should not just do things because you have always done it. You should not just do something because that's what everybody is doing. You should not just do something because somebody tells you to do it. You should not just do something because you feel that is what you are doing or because it is right in your eyes. Proverbs 14, 12, Proverbs 16, 25. He said there is a way that seems right unto a man. The ends of it are the ways of death. In the word of God, you find a story in the book of Judges. You find a story of a man known as Elimelech. That man was living in a town known as Bethlehem, Judah. The Bible said and it was in those days, according to Judges 76, he said, and it came to pass in those days that there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his sight. That man, without being careful as to what God has said, without being careful as to what is going to be pleasing to God, without being careful as to the terrain in which he's going to make a decision, he just did something that he felt everybody was doing. He took his family, his wife, and his two sons, and went down to a place to live all for a time. But when he got there, because his decision as to what to do was not carefully taken, his first son died in that place, his second son died, and he himself died, leaving his wife alone with his two daughters-in-law. 
And that is the story behind Ruth. Because Ruth was one of those people who was married to one of the sons. And so Ruth met with Naomi who was the wife of Elimelech. And both of them came back to Bethlehem, Judah. Where the man had earlier on made a decision to depart from. My prayer is, whenever you make the decision to do what you need to do, God will help you to do what is right in Jesus' name. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 18, it said, we shall do that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with us. It is repeated in the book of Deuteronomy 12, 25. It is repeated in the book of Deuteronomy 12, 28. It is repeated in the book of Deuteronomy 13, verse 8. It is also repeated in the book of Deuteronomy 21, verse 9. That we all need to do that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord. Remember the subject I'm speaking on this morning is when this happens. In the Bible, there were several people who did not know what to do. Not because they couldn't have done what others are doing. Not because they couldn't have done what readily came to mind. But they were only calculating. And they were only careful. And if you are careful as you should with your life. If you are careful as you should before the Lord because you are dealing with God. You will discover that you will not just do anything because you feel like doing it. In 2 Samuel chapter 6. There was a young man known as Uzzah. Who was following the ark of God that was being carried from one place to the other. And as we had, they came to a place that was rough, a terrain that was very rough, the ark started shaking. And the man, without even thinking of what he was doing, he stretched forth his hands and tried to steady the ark. And the Bible tells us that he was smoten by the Lord and he died there. Now why did he die there? Because he did what he thought. In that situation, he just needed to do to stop the ark from falling without considering that the ark was the visible presence of God in the midst of the children of Israel and that you could not just do with God anything you think you feel like doing. He stretched forth his hand and he was smoking dead. In the Bible, many people did not know what to do. Not because they could have done what really came to mind, but because they were careful. In the book of Matthew 27, 22, there was a man there known as Pilate. And you will see that Pilate expressed the fact that he did not know what to do. The Bible said, and Pilate said unto them, What then shall I do with this Jesus, which is called Christ? Pilate faced a dilemma. The dilemma is, what then shall I do with this Jesus, which is called Christ? Probably you have one or the other person in your life, one or the other person around you, and you are saying, what then shall I do with this, which is also called this? Are you an employee? You are under an employer and you are saying to yourself, What will I do with this, my manager? What will I do with this, my employee? What will I do with this, my roommate? Somebody came to me and was telling me of how they are living in the same house. Before he could get that room where he is staying, it takes a lot of effort. Took a lot of effort. But the next person in the other room smokes ganja. And the other brother wants to live a righteous and a holy life. Not just holy in himself, but holiness around him. But this man will always smoke ganja by day and night. And I know the brother will be saying, and I've been saying to himself, What then shall I do? It's not because he could not do something. He could go to the man and slap him. He could join him. That's another thing to do. But 
he wanted to do what was right and so the the question that goes on in his mind what then shall i do with this my neighbor who is called ganja <laughs> in the bible there were so many people who did not know what to do with their in their circumstance who did not know what to do with what they were confronted we did not know what to do with people in their life Pilate did not know what to do with jesus they accused jesus so much he examined jesus and found no fault in him and so he couldn't throw him away and release him of course he couldn't sentence him to death of course and so he said what then will i do with this jesus here in the scripture we read in second chronicles 20 the armies of the king of moab the armies of the king of ammon the armies of the king of Messiah came together against judah against jehoshaphat and jehoshaphat said in verse 12 and we do not know what we shall do that was a king that was a whole nation i know that as a nation in nigeria now we don't know what to do with some institutions some public utilities some individuals we don't just know what to do and i know that that could be your situation that could be your circumstance what then shall i do with this jesus which is called christ in the life of david he went through such a challenge as well the challenge as to the decision as to what to do in second samuel chapter 3 verse 39 david had two boys in his life one was called abisha the other one was called joab they were mighty men of valor but they could be excessive they were good soldiers they were faithful they were loyal they were dedicated to their master but there was something about them at times they go beyond whatever the king tells them to go and a time came when king david looked at them and said in verse 39 of second samuel 3 he said today i'm weak though anointed king he said and these sons of zerua are too hard for me in second samuel 16 10 and in second samuel 19 22 david said it again he said what shall i do with this he said what do i have to do with these people he was saying it because he had a decision to make should i tell these two boys to go away if they go away i will have lost as it were people that can stand and defend the ground for me because abishai and joab we are mighty men of valor if you read about their exploits in the bible in the life of david you will know the kind of quality men they were but they could be excessive and so the question is what shall i do what shall i do he was at the crossroad that is a dilemma it was between and betwixt are you in that situation today you don't know what to do with something that has happened or that is happening you don't know what to do with what 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 you are faced with you don't know what to do with someone you wish you could do something but you do not know what to do like the children of israel i mean the king joseph had wished you could do something but he said we do not know what to do because these people are mighty another person in the bible who did not know what to do was a rich man according to luke's gospel chapter 12 jesus was speaking about this man in verse 15 he said take it and beware of covetousness for a man's life does not consider the abundance of things that he possesses then he told them a parable he said the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully and then verse 17 says and the rich man said he thought within himself what shall i do seeing that i have no room to contain my harvest what shall i do I am blessed but what shall i do 
seeing that I have no room, no place, no space to contain my harvest. Now that was a rich man that had a problem with what to do. He was blessed. You see, many times, some people think when somebody is a rich man, he does not have any care, he does not have any worries. I remember the story I read some years ago that made such an impression on me. A poor man and a rich man were arguing. And the rich man was telling the poor man, ah, you people have a peace of mind though that if I wish I can have. And the poor man said, ah, what do you mean? You rich people are the people that have a peace of mind. And the, poor man, and the rich man said, well, if you think it is a rich man that has peace of mind, let us prove it. So he gave this poor man about 100,000 naira. He said, go and keep it and bring it back in one week. Normally this poor man had been having a good sleep when he did not have money in his house. But when they was giving this money, he took it home and before he put it anywhere, he locked the door, called his wife and warned her seriously. Don't play around this area, this where money is. Don't touch it. Don't even open it to look at it. It is safe. It's not you're looking at it that we keep it there. And the poor man hid this money under his bed. And from that day, he could not go out like he used to go out. Because he felt that whenever he's out of house, somebody will come and steal the money. And in the night of the first day, while he was sleeping, the rats that used to run around the house normally without disturbing his sleep. Whenever there is a small noise of a rat, he will wake up. What is happening? What's up? He will look at the money. He's still there. Okay. All through the first night, all through the second night, all the third night. By the third night, he had to go back to the rich man and say, Oh, thank God for poverty and peace of mind. Here is your money. The rich man said, What shall I do? I don't know what to do. Remember the topic of my message is when this happened. When it happens that you don't know what to do, that's what I'm speaking about. When it happens that you don't know what to do. You have done an exam several times and you don't know what to do. You have been waiting on God for the fruit of the womb. You have done what you think ought to be done and nothing has happened. You have looked for work. You have sought admission. You have sought financial freedom. You have sought for a house to rent and you still do not know what to do. Now when this happened, what should I do? So the man said, what shall I do? Again, Jesus spoke about another man in Luke 16. Who did not know what to do? This man was a steward to a very rich man. He was a steward and uh, at a point in time, he was reported to his master. A report was brought by people who knew him to his master. He was reported to his master that he was wasting his master's substance. And when the master heard, according to verse 2 of Luke 16, the master called him. And the master said, you have been reported to me, I have made up my mind that from today, you are no longer going to be a steward because of the report that I have reached my ears. Verse 3 now tells us the dilemma of that steward. That steward said, since my master now had decided to remove me from my position of a steward, I don't know what to do. Have you lost a job and you don't know what to do? Is there a job you are doing and you don't enjoy but you don't know what to do about it? Your head, your employer is critical. Your head, your employer is negative. You are threatened. You are harassed. It's like you don't just know what to do. So the man said, I don't know what to do. He said, for to dig, I cannot. He said, I'm to beg, I cannot. What means the man was in a dilemma. The dilemma was, he did not know what to do. When this happened, what is it that happens when you don't know what to do? Because I know the decision that people face in making a choice as to what to do is a crucial decision. It is a decision that can separate you from life and death. You remember last week we told you what happened? 
I mean, when we were in the vehicle, we didn't know what to do. Should we talk? Should we not talk? Should we sit? Should we not sit? Should we look at the face? Should we not look at the face? Should we look down? Should we look up? Should we look side? You don't just know what to do. When that, when, when this happens, what should you do? When you get to a crossroad or a T-junction, and there are five different directions in which you can go, you don't know what to do. So, when this happens, what should you do? In the Bible, there's another person who did not know what to do. This man's case is, you find it in Matthew 19. He was called the rich young ruler. Rich people do not know what to do. Some people think, well, a rich man always knows what to do. A minister always knows what to do. A husband knows always what to do. A wife knows what to do. A boy knows what to do. A girl knows what to do. Everybody knows what to do. At times, the pop and play situation is, you don't just know what to do. You don't just know what to do. So the rich young ruler, he went to Jesus. I mean, he must have been thinking about it. He must have been ruminating. He must have been considering. So he came to Jesus Christ, according to uh, Matthew 19.16. He said, good master, <laughs> what good thing can I do? What means he did not know what to do? What good thing can I do that I may inherit everlasting life? That man did not know what to do. Jesus now told him. He said, do not commit murder. Do not commit adultery. He said, do not steal. He said, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the man said, all these things have I observed from my youth. That is to let you know that at times, we have been doing several things before. But the time comes when you face a situation where you don't just know exactly what you need to do. It is a situation that if you have not come into, you will come into. It's a situation that you are in now. It's a situation that you are going to have to face. When this happens, what should I do? When I don't just know what to do. When I don't just know. You see, people at times do not know that there are such situations. People at times do not accept the fact that there are such circumstances where you don't just know what to do. I mean, and it's, you are sincere about You see, anybody who will be truthful to himself and sincere will tell you there are instances, there are situations where you don't just know what to do financially. Why you don't just know what to do spiritually? Why you don't just know what to do physically? Why you don't just know what to do emotionally? I mean, you are between and betwixt. You are in a nexus. You are, things are so intertwined, interconnected, inter that you don't just know what to start with. You don't just know what to do. Good master, what good thing can I do? He must have considered it to a point that he was not saying, Excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, I'm knowledgeable, I'm wise. I've made money, I've done the right thing, so I made money by doing the right thing. But in this situation, I think I don't know what to do. There are people like that, and you may be that person this morning that I'm speaking to. In the Bible, there were so many other people. In Luke chapter 3, John, John, John the Baptist started preaching a gospel that nobody before him had preached. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He brought the message of the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Before then, it was always the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Whenever anybody commits a sin, what you look for is an animal, and then uh, uh, through that animal and by the blood that you shed of that animal, your sins are overlooked. But he brought in a new message. He brought in a new view. He brought in something pragmatic. He brought in something that nobody had ever known. And then the Bible tells us in verse 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 8, he said, he started saying, Do not begin to say, We have Abraham as our father. Because God is able to raise up children from stones. He said, but rather begin to bring forth food meat of righteousness. Then he says in verse 9, Behold, the axe is led to the root of the tree. Every tree that bringeth no fruit shall be cut down. And every tree that bringeth no fruit. He started saying things that were strange. 
And the people were amazed. The people were marooned. The people were challenged. And according to Luke 3.10, he said, And the people came to him and said unto him, What shall we do then? What shall we do? Probably you are hearing a strange message. God is challenging you. God is provoking you. God is beginning to talk to you about the ministry. God is beginning to talk to you about the future. God is beginning to talk to you about marriage. God is beginning to talk to you about one thing or the other. And you don't, don't know what to do because you are not accustomed to it. And so the people came to John and said, <laughs> We are Judaizers. We are used to the Judaistic way of living. Animals. You are saying water. How can you use water to replace animals as a way to atone for sin? Sir, we don't understand. What shall we do? The people asked. And one thing I love is that for them who do not know what to do, those are the people that God is in line for to clear their doubts. And so John the Baptist opened his mouth and said, He that has to call, let him give to his neighbor. And he that has meat, let him do the same. When people saw that, he answered their question. So in verse 12, the publicans, the tax collectors, the custom officers, they now came to Jesus and they said, and they came to John the Baptist and they said, Ah, excuse me, oh, excuse me now. Don't just tell that person, me too, I need to hear. Then they came to him in verse 12 and said, What shall we do? Now these are people in the Bible who did not know what to do. What shall we do? And John went ahead and explained to them, Make sure you don't level people and collect and extract money from them. And they were very glad. And the soldiers were watching from far. And in verse 14, the soldiers came. You know, it was the people that first of all came. Which means the general people. But everybody now said, look, I hear what you have said generally, but specially, I'm a single brother. I'm a single sister. I'm somebody looking for admission. And I don't know what to do. Please tell me what to do. I know you can tell me to live righteous, but that is too general. That is too generic. That is too total. What shall I do? I'm a publican. What shall I do? I'm a soldier. My profession calls for a special instruction. My position calls for a special direction. What shall we do? The soldiers asked him. In Luke 3, 14. And John the Baptist went ahead and gave them three instructions. He said, be satisfied with your salary. Do not use violence as a soldier on anybody. I told, he gave them a third, a third advice. Now you see that John the Baptist told them exactly what they need to do. Ladies and gentlemen, nobody at all times know what to do. That is where God is there for us. It's not just a present help in the time of need. He's there to teach our hands to one our fingers to fight. If you are in a position this morning, I don't know what to do with my mother. She will not just listen. I don't know what to do with my father. He will not just listen. I don't know what to do with my colleague and my friend and my neighbor. I don't know what to do with my associate. I don't know what to do with my business partner. I don't know what to do spiritually with the way my spiritual life is now. I do not have the job salvation anymore. The spring in my walk and the confidence in my life is drained. I don't know what to do. When this happens, what is it that God want to do in that situation? When this happens, when you come to a point, you are at your wit's end. You are at your teacher's end. You are at a point when your wisdom has failed you. When your confidence in what you know about yourself and about situation has come to an end. That is when you need to hear what I'm about to share with you this morning. In the word of God, there are so many people who did not know what to do. In Acts 2. In Acts 2. Everybody before the day of Pentecost thought that they knew what to do. Jesus came preaching. They never bothered. They never cared. But eventually Jesus died. He went. He was buried. He resurrected. He went back to heaven. And 50 days after, the Holy Ghost came. Now, 
up to that time probably people did not take him serious people never thought it was a serious matter so they just said that man is a, but the man died and the man resurrected ah and the man ascended ah and the man said the holy ghost was going to come and the holy ghost came and the apostles on the day of pentecost we are speaking in tongues and when they spoke in tongues people came to them and said that you people must be joking verse 13 of acts 2. he said you people are full of doing one and peter stood up and preached and after he preached verse 37 says the people we have pricked in their heart and they said to peter and to the apostles men and brethren what shall we do now those are people in the bible who did not know what to do because people think well you're just saying you you don't know what to do to cover up uh, when somebody says well just go in two days or two weeks time i don't know what i'm supposed to do yet they think you're just joking now if you toy with your life not everybody does the same if you have been joking with other decisions, you see, there are some decisions you can make today and not make tomorrow. But there are some decisions that are eternal. There are some commitments, there are some things, uh, choices you make and what you do that you cannot undo. Once it's done, you cannot do it. Before God and before man, you cannot do otherwise. When this happens, what should you do? The people asked the apostles, they said unto Peter, to the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? In our 16, there was also other people who did not know what to do. There was a man, a man, a jailer. He had been a prison warder for so many years. But suddenly one day they brought a special warder, a different warder. A warder that, I mean, they brought a special prisoner whose face did not look criminal. His only offense was that he had been preaching the gospel. They locked him up. He started praying. He started singing. Suddenly there was an earthquake. Ah! And the prison doors were open. The bands of the people were loosed. Ah, and the, the, when the water saw that, that was the first time he was seeing something like that. He ran to them in Acts 1630. He said, Sars, what must I do to be saved? Probably it had been an issue. They had been telling him, be saved. They had been telling him, be born again. They had been telling him, change your ways, change your thoughts, change your life, change your likings, amend your ways, amend your desire, amend your goals, amend the way you go about things. But he refused to listen. But suddenly that happened and it said, Sars, what must I do to be saved? The man genuinely did not know what he should do. On the way to Damascus, Acts 9, there was a man, you see when you read Apostle Paul, I, some years ago I read a, a statement in the Bible about Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians 11:12. 12, he said, that which I do, I do, that I may cut off occasion from another occasion. Now that same person who said that which I do, I do, there was a time in his life when he did not know what to do. In Acts chapter 9, he had been persecuting Christians. He had been doing anything. That's why I always say, let the filthy man be filthy still. Let the wicked man be wicked still. Because there is a day in righteousness in which God will judge the wicked. There is a day in righteousness when you'll be confronted as it were with your deeds as it were before God. Not just man. The Bible says, providing for honest things in the sight of man and inside of God. So the man had been doing it. But the day came when he got the list of people he was going to Damascus to arrest and put in prison again. When he came very close to Damascus, around 12 o'clock in the afternoon, a light shone from heaven above the brightness of the noonday sun. You find this statement I'm about to say in Acts 9, 6 and Acts 22, verse 11. A light shone above the noonday sun and a voice came from heaven. The voice said, Saul, Saul, why persecuted me? And he said, who are you that I persecute? He said, I'm Jesus Christ, whom thou persecuted. He said, It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Then Paul said, What will you have me 
do. He didn't know what to do. The events unfolded. The challenges came. The problems descended. The rain happened. One thing after another took place. And he got to the place where he said, What shall I do? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. There are some women, you don't know what to do with your hair anymore. You don't know what to do with it. You've pumped it. You've jerry coiled it. You've polished it. You've attached it. It has led to detachment. And you don't just know what to do. Some people don't know what to do with their nails. Some people even don't know what to do with their faces. You toned it. It became a little bit like Fanta. And then your body was still Coca-Cola. So you returned to what you are. But you didn't still like it. So you said instead of toning it, I'll be powdering it. And you still don't like it. You don't just know what to do. Some of us have children. You don't know what to do with them. Some of us have jobs. We are not enjoying it, but we cannot leave it. So you don't know what to do. Some of us have superiors. Some of us have friends. Some of us have neighbors. Some of us have loved ones. You don't just know what to do. You don't, you don't just know as it were what to do. Several people in the Bible did not know what to do. When Goliath showed up on the scene in 1 Samuel 17, for 40 days, Saul and Israel did not know what to do with him. Goliath showed up. He just showed up. He stood like that. He said things. Open your Bibles here. Let's look at it. 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. When this happens. I read from verse 4. 1 Samuel 17 verse 4. Are you there? And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines. Named Goliath of Gath. Whose height was 6 cubits. And a span. 13 feet 4 inches tall. <laughs> I mean what do you do with that kind of a person? And he had a helmet of brass upon his head. And he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon it. Look at the description of this 24-fingered monster. And a target of brass between his shoulder. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel. And said unto him, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? He said, Am I not a Philistine? And you are servant to Saul. Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will he be your servant. And if I prevail against him and kill him, then he shall be our servant and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that I may fight together. When Saul and all Israel had those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Go down to verse 16. And the Philistine drew near, that is Goliath, morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. This is serious. The man will just come out and say it. I defy you. I defy the armies of Israel today. I will do this. I will do that if you can. Come out. And they didn't know. Saul did not know what to do. Saul, who was a man of war, who according to 1 Samuel 9 verse 2, shoulder and above, he was better than every Israelite. But this is a situation, he didn't know what to put a finger on it. So, another person who didn't know what to do was David at the time. You know, in this instance, in 1 Samuel 17, David knew what to do. But a time came when David did not know what to do. When was it? When Saul was pursuing him around. He did not, he said in verse, he said in 1 Samuel 20, he said, I don't even know my offense. I don't know what my problem is. 
I mean, at this point in time, he knew what to do because he did what was supposed to do and handled the that. The fact that you know what to do on one occasion does not preclude the fact that you may not face another occasion when you don't know what to do. So David did not know what to do. He was helpless. He was hopeless. He was running around and it took him about 10 years on the run. In those 10 years, he didn't know what to do. No, he did not. If he had known what to do, he would have done it. On one occasion, he caught the man's dress. And then after then, he was very unhappy. Ah. Now, on another occasion, he speared the man. Ah. And some people said, why did he spear? Now, he did not just know what to do. Let me say this to you. I don't know what your situation may be, but you may just be like that. Two jobs are confronting you. You don't know what to do. You have been looking for a job. You don't know what to do. You've been waiting on the Lord for the gift of the womb, but it has not occurred. You don't know what to do. You have been searching for a better scripture, uh, a spiritual pasture in your life, in your financial and business life, and nothing, so to speak, has happened. And you can say with me, if you are serious, and you know you are serious, I don't just know what to do. A time came in the life of uh, Elijah when he did not know what to do. Well, in 1 Kings 18, Elijah knew what to do to deal with the prophets of Baal, but shortly after that, he did not want what to do. He did not know what to do because in 1 Kings 19 verse 10, he said, he said, he said, I, even I alone, I am left. Take my life. Take my life. And it was repeated again in verse 14. I, even I alone, am left. So he knew what to do in 1 Kings 18 because he called the fire, he made the, he made the altar and he called the fire and the fire came down and consumed the everything. But you see, shortly after that, he was lost. He didn't know exactly what direction to go anymore. Another person who didn't know what to do was Job. Brothers and sisters, Job. Job was a perfect man. He was upright. One that feared God and ensured evil. And the Bible said, according to verse 3, he was the greatest man in the East. But suddenly in verse 13, in just a matter of days, he lost all his life possession. Everything was gone. Now when everything was gone, do you know he didn't know what to do? He started saying some religious things. Naked I came into this world. Naked I go back. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken up. Now he was despondent. He was in despair. He did not know as it were what to do. When this happens, brother, sister, when you are in a situation, when you are between and betwixt, you do not know what to do. Ladies and gentlemen, what does God want you to do? If you have not been there before, expect it to happen. The self-same affliction is accomplished in the bread and over the world. I can go through the paper and catalog. I can go through the Bible and catalog one person after another person in various periods of the history of the church. A king, a prophet who did not know what to do. Samuel anointed Saul to be king. Saul backslided. And Saul did what Samuel did not tell him to do. Now, Samuel did not even know what to do after that. The Bible said in 1 Samuel 15, 11, he cried all night. And God had to say, come on, stop crying. I mean, at times all you can do is cry. Because that's all you know to cry. At times all you can do at times is pity yourself. But that is not the practical thing that God expects you to do in that situation. When you lose money, in that situation, when you lose a loved one, in that situation, when you are flabbergasted, marooned, bewildered, taken aback, shocked, over when, when things are upside down and you cannot put a finger on what next to do, when this happens, what should I do? When my greatest friend betrayed me, what should I do? Jesus Christ 
Let me say this. I'll, I'll shout out with you in a minute. Even Jesus Christ came to the point that he didn't know what to do. When the time came for him to go to the cross, he knew that he came into the world to die. But when the time came to die, he did not want to die again. He wanted to die and he did not want to die. He didn't know what to do. There was a time in Paul's life, in Philippians 1, verse 21 and 22, he said, I am in a strait between two. I want to be here and minister, but I still believe that if I go to God, it's going to be a better place for me. He didn't know what to do. Several people in the Bible didn't know what to do. Look at in Exodus 14. The children of Israel came out of Egypt. You can read the whole chapter. They came out of Egypt triumphant. Miracles of miracles have been released by the hand of God through the rod of Moses. To the point that the, the, the Egyptians had bowed to the God of Moses. And as they were going, they were going, they were escaping, they were escaping. Pharaoh changed his mind. When somebody who have said, if we give you money, changes his mind, what do you do? You have put your trust and expectation on him. When somebody who have said, I will be there for you, now says, I'm no longer there, what do you do? Now, as they were going, suddenly the Egyptians changed their mind. And they were pursuing them. Pursuing them. And as they were going, they came to the Red Sea. Ah! Red Sea in front. Egyptian at the back. What will I do? What shall I do? What you are running for is like you are running into it. You seem to be evading something, but it seems that that thing is catching up with you. You seem to have not been able... You, it seems that you are not fast enough to get away from it. What shall I do? When you walk and God bless you financially, you want to spend your money, but you don't know what people will think about it. You don't know whether the witches in your family will not like your face because of it. You don't know whether somebody will raise up an allegation. You don't know whether there will be an evil cancer. You don't know whether there will be a divination. You want to enjoy your money, but at the same time, you don't want to offend people. So what shall I do? Several people in the Bible did not know what to do. Now, why is it I'm going forward now? I will go forward, deal with this, and then deal with the last thing. But I'm wondering when this happened, why is it the next thing I want to speak about is why is it that we get to the position where we don't know what to do? What is it that makes people not to know what to do? Why is it that people don't know what to do? Why is it that you don't know what to do with your money? Why is it that you don't know what to do with that friend? Why is it that you don't want to do with that position? Why is it that you don't know what to do with that circumstance? Why is it that you don't know what to do? I'm going to give you some reasons why people do not know what to do. And this could be some of the reasons why you do not know what to do. Number one. The first reason why people do not know what to do is because they think they have done what they should do and there is no result. When you do what you think you should do and there is no result, then the next thing is you don't know again what you should do. I want us to read it in two places. Job said it. He said, I thought when I was sacrificing and I was praying for my children, I thought that was going to be okay and God was not going to visit them with anger. But you see, what I have discovered is that I did that, but open to Job chapter 3. I did from Job chapter 3. Job said, look, there is nothing I'm supposed to do that I did not do. But I don't know what to do next because what I think I should do is what I have done. And I don't know why things are still the way they are. Job chapter 3. I read. I read. I read. From verse 25 and 26. We special emphasis on verse 26. It said, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. 
And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet. Yet trouble came. If you read further, you will discover that what Job was saying is, I don't know what to do again. I think I have done what I should do. I think I have paid my tithe. I think I have prayed. You told me as a sister to dress properly outside. You told me as a sister to develop my spirit. You told me to be spiritually alert. I am. You told me to be physically good looking. I do all I can. I polish my nails. I polish my toes. I polish my fingers. I polish my hair. I wear dresses that are tight, that are fitting. But I don't know what... Now the first reason why people don't know what to do is that they have done what they should do. What they think they should do. Open to Isaiah 5. In fact, at the point in time, God himself said, I don't know what to do again because I think I have done what I should do. That is what you find in Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 5. I read from verse 1. I want you to understand this thing I'm sharing with you today. It's an important thing because you are going to have to make critical choices. You are going to have to decide what you are going to do with your money. What you are going to do with your life. What you are going to do with your position. What you are going to do with your mind. What you are going to do. Isaiah 5.1 now, now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My beloved has a vineyard in a very fruitful hill and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein and he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. Look at what the man did in verse 2. He fenced it, he gathered the stone out, he planted it with the choicest vine, he built a tower in the midst of it and made a wine press when he came to eat for fruit, what he got was bitter. And now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, George, I pray you between me and my vineyard, verse 4, what could have been done more, more to my vineyard that I have not done? He said, what could have been done that I have not done? Some women look up to heaven and say, what could have been done that I have not done? Some young men look to heaven, what could have been done that I have not done? Where is it that I should have gone that I did not go? What is it that I should have done? What fast is it that I should have fasted that is not fast? What prayer is it that I should have said that I have not said? When you have done what you think you should do, and there is no result, then you are saying, what should I do? I don't know what to do anymore. Secondly, the second reason why people get to the point where they say, what should I do, is, is that they have done what they have been counseled, and they have done what they have been taught. We thank God for counsel. You want to do something, you go for counsel. Well, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 20, or 15, 15, uh, 22, it said, with counsel, it said, every purpose, it it said, with good counsel, that shall fight thy war. Every purpose is established by good counsel. You find this also in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. In Proverbs 24, 6, it said, with good advice, thou shalt fight thy war. And when you read Proverbs 11, verse 14, he said, the motive of counselors, there is safety. Now you have been counseled, you have been taught, and you introduce your counsel into your life, and you introduce what you have been taught into your life, but the kind of outcome you expect is not what happened. So you are now saying, what else should I do? I was counseled, I sought counsel. I sought counsel. Counsel in the heart of a man, Proverbs 24, is like deep waters. A man of understanding know how to draw it. I sought counsel, yes, brother George, and I was taught. The word of God tells us we are taught in the word. Galatians 6.6 6, Let him that is taught in the word. 
But when you are sought counsel and you implement the counsel and you have been taught the word and you implement the word and the result still does not reflect your expectation or your desire, then you say, what else shall I do? When this happens, what is God calling on you for? The third reason. Why people do not know what to do. Another reason why people do not know what to do is when they do what other people told them they did and got it and they now do what they see other people do and did not get it or they do what other people are doing and did not get it then they say I don't know what else to do I did what I think I should do I did what I was counseled and taught I did what I saw other people do and yet, I did not have the kind of results that I think I should have. When that happens, such people always say, What shall I do? What again do you want me to do? Talk. What again do you want me to do? What again? I did what I think I should do. I think I should do. I did it. I put away what I think I should do. I did what I was taught. I did what I was counseled. But nothing happened. Then I put aside what I think. I was taught. Probably they deceived me when they were teaching me. Probably they deceived me. But I now did what other people have tested. And they received results. And yet I did not receive results. So they now say, what shall I do? When this happened. When this happened. When you get to the point where you implement as it were. What you have seen people implement and receive results. Good results. And when people implement it and receive results, you believe that God is a respect of persons. And that that same principle will work in your hand the same way it worked in your hand. And so you do not know the reason why your own should not work. One man came to me in London. He shouted. He held me after the service. He said, I don't know why my own is different. Reverend George, I believe the Bible tell me. He almost embarrassed everybody, including the pastor of the church. Evidently, you know that that man is saying, in other words, I don't know what else to do. I did what I was taught. I did what I was told. I did what I was counseled. I did what I thought I should do. I did exactly what, what I see other people do and get resolved. But it seems that when I apply it, it's like God is saying no to me. It's like God is saying, this is not going to be your own case. And I, I can't understand. I can't understand. Why is it again? The next point. I think point number what now? Four. The next reason why people do not know what to do else is when the choices that are available to them, both choices or among what they can do, there is not one of them that is pleasant. Some people do not know what to do because they are faced with alternative, unpleasant choices. Let me give you a good reason. The children of Israel, let me give you a good example. The children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt. They were going forward. The Red Sea was in front of them. Pharaoh was at their back. Now which one will you choose from? Between the rock and the hard place. Which one will you choose from? Will you choose the Red Sea and plunge into it? Or will you turn back and face Pharaoh? You have faced Pharaoh for 430 years. You could not defeat him. And this other one that is ahead, you have not even tested it before. So, you are faced with In that kind of situation where the choices available to you are such that are both of them, both alternatives are unpleasant, you end up with not knowing what to do. Should I stay here or should I go? Should I continue with this or should I stop it? Now the point is, both of them are unpleasant. 
But then I'm going to ache you. But then I'm going to pay you. But then I'm going to be bloody. But then I'm going to be sacrificial. You are going to have to do something that will touch lives. When you are faced with two alternatives, doctors at times are faced with those alternatives. If I operate on this man, well, it may not be successful. If I leave him like this, he may die. I don't know what to do. He is my colleague. He is my friend. He is a dedicated person. Or he is a dedicated person at church. I can't leave him like this because if I leave him like this, he will die. And I can't touch him because he's too weak to go through an operation. So what shall I do? That is the dilemma. I read a book years ago titled "The Dilemma of a Ghost." Those of you who have done literature will have read it. How many of you have read that book? Well, I know many of us read the newspapers more than books. And it's good for you to enlarge your heart and enlarge your mind by reading. Paul said to Timothy, before I come, give attendance to reading. Then when you read, he said to exhortation. Then he says to teaching. You cannot exhort others if you have not read. Your, your library is an important indicator of what you are able to share with other people. So I don't know what to do because the alternatives and face streets are too unpleasant to choose from. I do not know what to choose. Another reason, let me go on here because of time. Another reason why some people do not know what to choose or they do not know what they will do is because something happened suddenly. When anything happens suddenly, it always cripples initiative and stifle action. When something happens suddenly, you will not know what to do. Because of the suddenness. Because of the suddenness. Because of the suddenness, they said, do something. They say, I don't know what to do. Why? It's so sudden. Unexpected. Unthought of. Unplanned for. It's so sudden. I don't know what to do. Why? Because it's sudden. If somebody slaps you, probably you're just talking to your friend. How are you? And all of a sudden, out of the blues, a heavy slap. You want to say? <laughs> Should I laugh? Should I cry? Should I slap him back? Should I run away? You know, I don't know what to do. Why? Because of the suddenness. Anything that is sudden, that is why it's so... I remember in those days when we used to fight. Now we do not war anymore in the flesh. But in those days when we war in the flesh, there was a boy known as Agana. In our grammar school. Ah, that boy, me and him fought. We fought probably for three years. All the time we meet like this, the fight continues. Whatever they separate us, we just adjourn. Until the next time. I remember that. I remember that brother, that man. He's not a brother yet, even up to now. I remember the first time we fought. We fought so much that they had to leave us. And I said, oh God. I, I don't even know what I'm talking about. When they leave you, you know how we fight, how we fight. They leave, you see of a grammar school in those days, there's a place called Orchard. They will take you there. They will draw a circle. We are fight. So we fought, fought, fought. And we were so tired, we were looking at us. They said, we are fought. You know, now I I remember this particular this particular person because you see that was the kind of extent to which we got to. Now it now came to the point one day I discovered if I stop this fight, this boy will think I'm timid. And if I keep fighting like this, I may die in one process. So I didn't know what to choose. Because the alternatives we are both unpleasant. I was between a rock and a hard place. And one thing I used to do with that boy is this. Because I know that he was more powerful than me, I always use sudden. That's why the Bible says you shall not be afraid of sudden fear. Panic means sudden fear. 
I remember in those days when, when I discovered that the fat was always, always, I was always very circumspect. And so whenever I see him either eating or standing, I just come from the back. Mm, boah, suddenly, and before I finish the fight, they separate us again. Say, we are done. We hold it somewhere and then we go on. I don't know whether you have been like that before. Another reason why people do not know what they will do. What shall I do? What shall I do? Another reason why people don't know what to do is when something new happened to them that have never happened before. All of us gain experiences from the things that happen. One way or the other, when something has happened to you before, you have a wisdom to handle it next time when it's about to happen. You have a wisdom to handle it again when it seems like it's about to happen. But you see, people don't know what to do when something new, something new happens. Something that has never been happens. Something that I I mean, the, on the day of Pentecost, the people spoke in tongues. And Peter stood up and preached. And they were preached for the first time they were preaching their heart because their heart was very hard. As far back as the day of Isaiah, he said they have eyes they will not see. Isaiah 6 verse 9 and 10. They have ears they will not hear. Their heart is as hard as grease, as hard as rock. But suddenly, something new. Somebody is saying something different here. He says don't kill fowl again. Don't kill goats again. Just jump into this water. Ha! This new. This new. This new. This new. But what shall we do? I mean, if it's killing fowl, they are familiar with that. But you see, this was something that they were just going with. Now, let me quickly give you three more and then tidy this up so that I can round up the message this morning. When this happened, another thing that made this to happen, listen to this very carefully, another reason why some people do not know what to do is when there is a clash between their head and their heart. Whenever there is a clash between your head, your head simply refers to what humanly, naturally, physically, you think you should do. While your heart is what you know in line with the word of God, in line with the purpose of God, in line with the plan of God for your life, you should do. Whenever there is a clash between the flesh and the spirit, usually people do not know what to do. Let me say this to you. Many times people have come to me and said, I'm confused. I said, about what? They said, I'm either going to do this one or going to do that one. And I always narrow it down. One of the two things you want to do, one of them is a spiritual thing, is in line with the will of God. The other one is in line with your flesh. Your flesh is lusting against the spirit. Listen to the scripture. Galatians 5.16 Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so that you will not know what you want to do. So that you will not be able to do exactly what you have wanted to do. You see many, many times, brothers and sisters, something in your physical is saying, do this. This is what naturally, humanly, physically you should do. But something your spirit is saying, that's not the proper way. Isaiah 30, 21 said, that shall hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. At times, it is just those clash. Whenever there is that clash, you'll be between and betwixt. Because you do not want to be in the flesh. And at times, you do not want to take the risk of being in the spirit. And so you are between and betwixt, and that's the reason for the confusion. A sister came to me and said, excuse me, so I said, yes. He said, there are two brothers. Both of them came to me. And they said they wanted me. He said, and I'm confused. I said, you should not. Psalm 71 verse 1 says, In thee, O Lord, have I put my trust. Oh, let me not be confused. If you are confused, the simple reason why you are is that a part of you, the flesh, wants to do something. And another part of you, the spirit, the inward man, wants to do another thing. And the reason why you are confused is because you want to do both. 
that's the purpose of the confusion. Because if you want to do one of them, of course, there'll be no confusion. There'll be no problem as to what to choose. When the three Hebrew children were asked to, to either bow down or get bonds, they told Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer in this matter. We have made our choice before you ask us the question. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But you see, most of the time you don't know what to do because you are, there is a conflict between your flesh and there is a conflict with your spirit. And the reason why you don't know what to do is because both of them are trying to have their way. The inner man is trying to assert itself as the real you and the outer man is trying to assert itself as the other you. And that is the reason for the conflict in the life of so many people with your spirit. And the reason why you don't know what to do is because both of them are trying to have their way. The inner man is trying to assert itself as the real you. And the outer man is trying to assert itself as the other you. And that is the reason for the conflict in the life of so many people. That is why you don't know what to do. That is why you don't know what to do. Paul said, should I go to heaven? That is what his heart wants to do. But should I stay here? Now the flesh is of the earth, earthy. So I don't know what to do. He said, well, I make my choice. I will stay here. So he made a choice. But you see, whenever you find it difficult to decide which, or you are confused, or you are marooned, or you do not just know exactly where you should float in the direction of, because there is, a, there is a clash. There is a clash. Let me give you one more. That would be number what? Eight. Beautiful. Let me give you one more. Another reason why people do not know what to do, listen to this, and I will give this, and then go on to the last thing you need to do. Another reason why people do not know what to do is because they are listening to many diverse and varied voices. Many diverse and... I don't know whether you have been in a position where many people are talking to you about the same thing and everybody is saying a different thing. Everybody. There are so, you see, if you are the kind of person that listens to people, there are people who are willing to talk. If you are the kind of person that listens to people, you will be confused. This is not your spirit anymore. I'm talking about... There are many voices, diverse and varied. Every one of you pulling you in one direction. Everyone saying, do this, do that, do this, do it, do this, do this. Now, when you, are, when you get yourself into that position, you'll be a confused person. You will say to yourself, I don't even know what to do. Why? Because of the multitude, because of the diverse, because of the varied opinions, impressions, ideas, innuendos that have been generated. You want to go into the ministry and you listen to so many people? Some will say, go now. Some will say, get a job and do ministry. Some will say, don't go at all. Ah, it's not everybody that got called. Some will say, well, if you want to do ministry, don't stay here. Go to Lagos. Some will say, no, if you really need to be true, then you go to London. You know, there are so many Nigerians. Some will say, no, no, no. In South Africa, that is good. Now, if all of these voices are accommodated, if all of these voices are accommodated, and you are the kind, you see, because some of us are always waiting for people to validate what we are going to do. The Yoruba says, whosoever is taught to do weekend and doors, it's not because of who told him, but because of the kind of person he is. Amen. Which simply means that in the final analysis, what you are going to do will not be determined by what anybody or a group of people or diverse term people are doing. It is what you are convinced that ought to be done. What shall I do? When this happens, that you do not know what to do, I want to give you five general pieces of advice the first advice I will give you is this when this happens and you do not know what to do the first thing I would like to tell you is this make up your mind not to act 
until you have to or until you know what to do make up your mind not to act until you have to or until you know what to do the situation will pressurize you people will pressurize you you will even put pressure on yourself but let me say something to you never ever be in haste take all the time you need to take to wait on the lord the yoruba says there is no push me i push you if you do not push yourself make sure you do not act until you have to never make never do something in a hurry whenever you do something in a hurry because of the pressure of the situation you will commit an expensive blunder and a painful mistake proverbs 14 29 he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding but he that is hasty in spirit exalted fully the literal hebrew says he that is hasty in spirit will give support to foolish ideas proverbs 19 verse 2 that a soul should be without knowledge is not good he that hasten with his spirit he that hasten with his feet sin it one translation i think that's the good news translation he says impatience will get you into trouble do not be in a hurry when you don't know what to do that is when to be careful because that is when situation say ah, i don't know like they used to sing in those days. They say, They can never what you do if what you do does not stand the test of time. What you do will only stand the test of time, will only be will only be advertised when what you do is what you should have done. Because some people put themselves under pressure. Ah, do something today. Ah, do something this week. Ah, do something this month. Quickly, quickly, quickly. People who do things that can't never operate like that. Isaiah 28, 16. Behold, I've laid in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tri stone, a precious cornerstone. He that believeth shall not make haste. When you see anybody who really had a belief in God, they are never in a hurry. Because they know that what God will do, God will do. What God will never do, He will never do. You can, if anything is trying to rush you, that's not God. God is a patient God. God is a God who never puts you in panic. God is not a God of haste. He's a God of patience. The God of patience. The God of patience. The God of patience. You find that statement repeated. The Bible tells us in Peter Titus 2 2. He said, Be sound in faith, be sound in charity, and be sound in patience. Never do anything until you have to. And never do anything until you are sure that is what you are supposed to do. Don't let your situation pressurize you into a stupid decision that you regret for the remaining part of your life. Don't let your situation be so enervating, be so pressurizing, be so compelling, be so destabilizing that you make a choice that will not stand the test of time. People can make decisions. It's very easy to make decisions in a hurry. But he that hastened, one thing says, he who is in haste will misstep. If you are trying to climb a stair, and you are going one by one. Sisteris, Patibos, Mutatis, Mutadis. You will not hit your leg against a stone because he has given the danger to you to keep in all your ways. And when you keep in line with scriptural principles, you discover that you will, not lose your, you will not lose your composure. So do not act until you have to. Don't ever have to. Don't ever see yourself and say, Ah, I have to, I have to. That was the sin of Saul. He said, I 
myself. If Saul had thought about it a second time in 1 Samuel 13, probably he wouldn't have done what he did. A second thought is good. Wait on the scale. Throw it out. Wait before God until you are certain. Until, he, until you are sure exactly as it were. Never, never, ever be in a hurry. Proverbs 20, 21. An inheritance may hastily be got in the beginning, but the end of it is not blessed. What should be what the end should be better than the beginning. But the Bible said, when you get it hastily, the end of it is not blessed. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9, he said, Be not hasty in your spirit. James 1:19, he said, Be slow to speak, be swift to hear, and be slow to wrath. Let your action be a carefully taken one. Do not rush. If you rush like a Russian, you jam like a German. Number two. I'm going to give you a five. Secondly, when this happens, listen to the next commandment. Listen to the next statement. Take the matter that you do not know how to do, take it to God. Now you discover that in the scriptures, those who did not know what to do and they took it to God, they eventually made the right decision. In Luke chapter 3, I quoted verse 10. They took it to John. He told them what to do. They did it. You wouldn't have had any catastrophe happen. In Luke 3, 10, Luke 3, 12, Luke 3, 14. But the man in Luke 12, 12, the Bible said he thought within himself and said, What shall I do? And within himself, he decided without consulting God. What happened to him? He did what he was not supposed to do. And you see that he was called a fool. Look at Pilate. In Matthew 27, 22. Who said, what shall I do with this Jesus? Which is God Christ. Who was he talking to? He was just talking to himself. Eventually, he did something that eternally he will be damned for. If you are looking for one of those people who is going to be in hell, it's going to be Pilate. I preached here some years ago on the tragedy of Pontius Pilate. After he did trial of Jesus, because he did not take it to God and did not seek God's face, what he did was that he gave over Jesus to be flogged and so on. I mean, he said it is given that the Son of Man will go. He said, but whoa! is the hand of him by whom he goeth. It would have been better if he had not been born. Immediately after the trial of Jesus Christ, Pontius Pilate was removed from the position. He committed suicide in death. All of it was a follow-up. Why? Because he did not take it to God. God has a way of resolving mysteries. In 2 Chronicles 20, when Jehoshaphat did not know what to do, he said it to God. He was talking to He said, God, we don't even know what to do. Immediately, the next verse says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazah. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazah. And he says, Thus said the Lord, the battle is not yours. Up till then, he thought, you can read again in second Corinthians. So many of them, second Kings 19, from verse 14 down. Senacherib, a wicked, ugly, mean king, wrote a nasty letter to Hezekiah. Hezekiah took the letter and went to the house of God and he spread it before God. Motigba letter, yo. Motigba letter, yo. Motigba letter, yo. Hashaw for me, thief. If you receive a letter that is not yours, spread it. That is what you should do. If you receive a, a voice, a vision, a dream, a thought that is not yours, take it to him and expect him to give you direction. 
Psalm 69, verse 32. Their soul shall live that seek God. First Chronicles 16:11. Seek ye the Lord. Seek ye his strength. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek ye the Lord when he can be found. Call upon him. He is near. When this happens, you don't know what to do. Take it to God. There is a song that I used to listen to. It was a very beautiful song. It goes like this. He said, leave it there. Leave it there. Take your boardings to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring it past. God knows how to unravel mysteries. The secret things belong to the Lord God. When God eventually speaks to you and gives you direction, it will be because He understands the plan of the adversary. Ladies and gentlemen, when this happens, take it to God. Philippians 4 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication without giving. Let your request be made known. When something happens suddenly, when you are supposed to act quickly, reaction time is short. You cannot depend on your own wisdom to, to get you off. Take it to God. Take it to God. Turn it over to Jesus. Turn it over to Jesus. And you shall smile the rest of your days. Take it to Him. Lord, look at what, what, what he said. What does what say? He said, we did not judge these people. He said, when the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, you instructed them not to attack the children of Moab and Ammon. He said, but look at what they have recompensed us with. We do not judge them. He said, but we have no might. And we don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Immediately, God knew that. It, God told him what to do. Carry him. Raise a praise worship team. That is stupid in the, in the natural. But God knows how to win your battles. You do not have enough wisdom to do. Another translation says, On your own intelligence, rely not. We thank God for human intelligence report. But there is a divine report. Now the question now is, Whose report will you believe? When this happens, When you do not know what to do, Lean not your own understanding. The best of men are their best are still men. The way you are looking at it, you are... This is another advice. No matter how tough the situation is and you don't know what to do, the fourth thing I will do is this. And the fourth thing I will encourage you to do is submit yourself and the situation to the will of the Lord. Lift up, you will lift up your voice and say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but oh God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I don't know what to do, but your will be done in this situation. Your will be done in my life. Let me give you a good example. It was Jesus. Jesus did not want to do it. He wanted to die to pay the price for the remission of sin, but the flesh was weak. The spirit was willing to go to the cross. That was the reason why he came to the wall. But when the time came, the flesh was weak. In the garden of Gethsemane, it was not only the disciples whose spirit were willing and their blood or flesh was weak. Even Jesus Christ, his spirit was willing and his flesh was weak. But how did he deal, it, deal with it? Matthew 26, 39, how did he deal with it? He said, Lord, if it be your will, please take this cup away from me. Then he says, I submit. He said, not my will. But your will be. You see, when you submit yourself to the will of God, even when you don't know what to do and you begin to call the will of God into the situation, say, Lord, let your will be done in this thing. I don't know what to do, 
I don't know how to handle this, my superior in my place of work. I don't know how to handle this lecturer who says until I lay down for him, I will not pass out. I don't know how to handle this lecturer who says I should buy a hand that is bigger than the books in the library. And I don't have the money. But oh God, I don't know what to do. Will you not judge them? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Submit yourself and say, let the will of God be done. In this situation, I don't know what to do, but the will of God will be done. Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6.10. That will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Jesus said, I don't want to die, but if I have to die, he said, look, I submit myself. Not as I will, but as you will. When you do that, when you submit yourself and the situation to the will of God, the Lord will give that which is good. And your land shall increase in the name of Jesus. When this happens, you want to go into the ministry, your spirit, but your flesh begin to say, God, your will of God, your will be done in my life. Your will be done in my life. In Acts 12, people want to stop uh, Paul from going down to Jerusalem. My life. Your will be done in my situation. Psalm 143, verse 10. He said, Teach me to do your will, O God, for you are my God. Lead me in the path of uprightness. Begin to submit yourself. Let let everybody and you know. I don't know what to do. Should I stay here? Should I go? Should I go back to school? Should I get a job? Lord, I don't know what to do. But Lord, your will be done. Your will be done in my life. Your will is what I want to be done. I'm not insisting on anything. I'm not seeing myself as being able to judge this matter. But your will be done. When you submit yourself to the will of God, there is no other thing that will be done except His will. Be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will. The perfect will. I don't want to stay in your permissive will. When what happened last week happened, I said to myself, your will be done. Your will be done. Lord, I submit myself to your will. I know I can do this. I'm not only on that. I know people who are not even half this frightened are relocated out of the country. And the immediate natural understanding is relocate. Yesterday, when one of my good, good, good brothers in the faith, pastor friend, when he heard, he said, Ah! He was shaking. He said, He said, I have never been this frightened in my life. Ah! He said, then he said to me in the Yoruba language, he said, Baba, I said, yes. He said, say like you say, baby. He said, say like you say, baby, I'll be my own. And I said to myself, the will of the Lord. You see, at that point, you submit yourself to the higher will. You submit yourself to the higher authority. John 7, 17. He that will do my will, will know of my doctrine. God said, if you, your heart is to do my will, you know my doctrine. First John 2, 17. The word of God says, He that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. Ladies and gentlemen, when you don't know what to do, when this happens, and you do not know what to do, and you cry to God, you can shout at the top of your voice and say, The will of the Lord. Let it be done. Lord, I don't want to step out of your will. I don't want to be out of your purpose. I still insist and I still confess. What I want done is your will, not my will, but your will. Jesus said, Yet not nevertheless, not my will. That was what he used to win. When you do not know what to do and you are betwixt and between, you cry out, let your will be done. 
Two brothers are speaking to me at the same time. I like this one, but it's not spiritual. The one I don't like is one that is spiritual. And I have a feeling it may be the one. But Lord, not my way. When you do that, you will never do wrong. But if you are still going in the flesh, you are going to commit an expensive mistake. And a painful blood that you will lift every time in future when you wake up and open your eyes like this, tears will fill your eyes. I've seen old men of 60-something, 70-something who are living with regret. Regret of things they did when they were 20. Of what they did when they were 25. What are you zeroing on, George? What I'm saying is what I'm saying. When this happened, submit yourself. I say, Lord, Lord, I come as the written of me in the bottom of the books to do your will, O oh Lord. Not as I will, but as you will, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. I know my flesh would demand me to do something stupid, but have your way, Lord. Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of He that sent me. John 6 38. I can of my own do nothing. I'll give you one more point, then I close. When this happens, when you don't know what to do about something, about somebody, and about a situation or circumstance in your life. The fifth thing I will encourage you to do to inoculate your spirit is to draw close to God. At times, the reason why we don't know what to do is because we are not close enough. Let me say this to you. Jesus Christ in John 6, when he was filled with feeding 5,000 people, 5,000 men, and a number of women and children, the Bible tells us, he told them, he told the apostles, he said, give it them to eat. The Bible said in verse 9, this he said to them to prove them, for he knew what he was going to do. There is something about our closeness with God that as events are unfolding, the spirit of the Lord is bearing witness with your spirit because you are close enough. Ladies and gentlemen, if it always happened to you that in many situations of your life you don't know what to do, if it is a, if a continuous occurrence in almost everything you do, you are not close enough. There is something about being close to God that makes you see clearly. There is something about walking with God that makes you hear clearly. There is something about being close to God that washes your mind and washes your brain. There is something about being close to God that reveals His will. The Lord will not do a thing without revealing his secrets to his servant the prophet. The event of last week, I was telling people this, it's not that long ago, when I say long ago, I think about six months or seven months ago, I had a nudging of it. I had a nudging of it that there was about to be an attack. Now, the first nudging I have, this is an intelligence report that comes from the Holy Spirit, was that probably fire was going to break down in the house. So whenever I was leaving the house, I was always putting off putting off the the wall socket but in that vision that dream i just came home i quite remember i told somebody I said listen to me if we did not follow that nudging of the spirit it's a different thing but that god will do a thing with that first of all one way god is in the business of revealing the enemy's secret do not play with things i know that even after god tells some people some things they will still do the wrong thing but I came home that day and I saw that the car was not where it is parked. 
And I said to the people, where is the car? And he said, everybody said, they don't know where the car is. I said, you don't know where the car is? I said, why are well, you not here when the car? And do you know something? Immediately, those people dropped us and we came back to the house. As I was coming through the gate, I just remembered the dream. Because I saw the place where the car was and was no longer there. And I said to myself, wow. You know, at times we play with some things. At times we just pray. Or we do, we just think that it will go. The second thing belongs to the Lord our God. You see, when the comforter is coming, he will show you things to come. Immediately as we are coming in and the people are following me, and I looked up, I just had the sensation I had in that dream of mine. And I looked at it. And I saw the car was not there. Immediately the memory of that dream just came back to me. And I said, wow. Because you see, that day I remembered after I dreamt, I said to myself, I will do something about it. There is nothing as wicked as procrastination. There is nothing as evil as procrastination. Today, if you hear his voice, the closer you walk, the more sensitive you become. One of the decisions I've made is to become as close to God. You see, because most of the time, you, you, at times when you are close to somebody, you get rid of him. Everything. You know, there are some of us who are so used to God. That even when there is a prophecy, you know, when I, when I got born again in the 80s, whenever a prophecy is going on, you see people do But now there are people right in the church, while the word of God, the most sacred thing of God is being handled, they are busy reading Gaidian. You have a lot of time to read Gaidian when you get home. You have a lot of time to talk to other people when you get home. But while it is called today, ladies and gentlemen, do not suffer from neglecting what the Lord has said. Seize my son, Proverbs 19:27, from instruction that causes you to hear from the words of knowledge. Walk close, walk tight. When this happens, get close. Walk in the light as he is in the light. When you walk close, his light will shine. When you walk close, there is a way in which he's going to fertilize and bless you and strengthen you that you never even thought was available. You say, I don't know what to do. The closer you are to God, the more you know what to do. No situation will catch you on away as in Jesus' name. The enemy will not explore and exploit your ignorance to bring you to bondage in Jesus' name. The Lord will preserve your going and your coming out. The hand of the Lord will be heavy upon your eye, life. His eyes will be upon you by day and night. You will not be in a place where his hunger cannot touch you. You will not go beyond the areas where his masses cannot reach you. The Lord will sustain you. The Lord will help you. The Lord will make his face shine upon you and give you peace continually. You shall be protected by day and by night. That the sun shall not smite you by day nor the moon by night. Under his feather shall you trust. His shield shall be your strength on your buckler. You shall not be afraid of sudden terror. Because it will not happen to you. A thousand will follow your left and ten thousand will follow your right with your eyes. You behold the word of God upon the wicked. No evil shall befall you, neither shall they play come near your dwelling place. No report fashion against you shall prosper. No divination against you will succeed. The counsel of men shall fall to the ground and die. The counsel of the Lord concerning your life, it shall stand. 
you will survive every test you will make it over to the other side your confidence in god will not be shaken it will not be taken away the lord will make you fruitful in every good work the lord will relieve the lord will strengthen the lord will be with you by day and night his presence shall cover you under his wings his holy spirit will take possession of everything that is yours in the name of jesus thank you father stand on your feet and praise him just talk to him talk to him this morning talk to him talk to him talk to him every one of us talk 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 open your mouth and talk open your mouth and talk i bless you lord i bless you lord i bless you lord i bless you lord i 